Hey, welcome to another episode of the If You Mark in Your Bible podcast. My name is Josh, and today we are looking at Daniel chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, and looking at it with us this morning is Jeremy Thornton, the preacher at the Highway 77 Church of Christ in Marion, Arkansas. I'm going to ask Jeremy at this time just to tell us a little bit about himself. Hey, appreciate you having me on uh, today. Uh, I am the preacher here at Highway 77 in Marion. We've been here since uh, about 2014 um, when we graduated from the School of Preaching in Memphis. I worked with the Luxahoma congregation for a couple of years, and then uh, Highway 77 was uh, fortunate, or uh, uh, they were uh, able to have us to come back, and uh, we've been fortunate to be here. Uh, great family we have here. I've been married for a long time. I try not to t- give those number of years. I let my wife do all that to keep myself out of trouble. <laughs> uh, I think it's about 1,700 years now that we've been married. Uh, we have two beautiful little girls, Jolie and JC, and uh, just uh, doing everything that we can to, to keep things moving along. So Awesome. That's great. Uh Jeremy's wife, Jenny, worked with my mom at the Memphis School of Preaching. And so uh, they, they have some stories there. Yes, they do. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how anything got done when you kind of consider uh, all the antics that they talk about. But Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Uh, now, the Thorntons are a, a, a great family. I know very precious to my family. And so we are definitely excited to have Jeremy on. Uh, as mentioned, we are talking about Daniel chapter 4. Uh, the first three verses, uh, this is a chapter, uh, a very unique chapter in the Bible, uh, if at the very least uh, was uh, dictated by Nebuchadnezzar uh, to Daniel, if he didn't write it himself. Um, but it's interesting, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, the one who was leading the Babylonian Empire when it uh, destroyed Jerusalem and destroyed the temple, and you go read the book of Lamentations, and see the the calamity and the chaos and the carnage uh, of that scene. Uh, this was the man who was responsible for doing it. Uh, but um, from this standpoint that we're going to read today, uh, seems to be a, a different perspective on God uh, and his people and where he fits in the plan of God. Uh, we were introduced to him or, or, or this uh, mindset, uh, for lack of a better term, by Nebuchadnezzar at the end of chapter 3, after he threw Ananiah and Mishael and Azariah, or better known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, into the fiery furnace, and looks down and sees that uh, the fire is not consuming them, uh, he starts to to sway his attitude towards the God of, of Judah. Uh, and so we're introduced to that at the end of chapter 3, and then picking up here, uh, as far as uh, the context goes, um, and I don't think we can say for certain, uh, but I don't think we can emphatically deny either that uh, based on reading uh, chapter 4 of Daniel, just to put it, I don't know the best way. I, I guess if I were to walk in through the pearly gates of heaven and see Nebuchadnezzar standing there, it wouldn't surprise me based on chapter 4. Uh, again, I can't say he's there for certain, but uh, his attitude towards God has definitely shifted 
Uh, and, and we'll talk about that as we get into the text based on uh, how it goes. So uh, without further ado, we'll begin reading verse 1 and then uh, start dissecting. It says, King Nebuchadnezzar, to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. What do you have there, Jeremy? Well, uh, as you pointed out already, this is uh, uh, something from Nebuchadnezzar. This is not... Um, as we might have something Daniel writing as being inspired by the Holy Spirit. Uh, but this is something that's coming forth from uh, Nebuchadnezzar. So, uh, of course, we know that this is inspired and that uh, Daniel was the one that recorded this. But uh, these are the words recorded from Nebuchadnezzar, uh, the king. And I think that's important that we keep the context in mind, the time frame. As you've already pointed out, what has Nebuchadnezzar already done? Uh, he's shown himself as being a ruthless individual. Uh, you, you mentioned the book of Lamentations already and the, the terrible things that were going on there. And so uh, uh, up to this point, what we've noticed about Nebuchadnezzar is he's, he's just a rotten individual, if I can put it that way. And now something has, has changed, and, and now there's he has a... a he has a different tone about him, if you will. And so he's writing this, uh, and it says, unto all people, nations, and languages. Uh, so this is not just something for Babylon. It's not just something for Israel or Judah. Uh, this is something that he wanted to be broadcast throughout all the, the known world at that time. And uh, as some commentators have said, it's even something that he would want recorded for, for the reader, for us today to read. So. That's a, that's a great point. I'm glad you brought that up because some commentators made the point that he's he's speaking to King Nebuchadnezzar, the king to all the people's nation and languages, and he's saying it from that standpoint. Uh, I don't, I don't, I, I more agree with you. I think this is I'm King Nebuchadnezzar addressing this uh, not only to the empire which he rules at the moment of this writing, but also. Uh, like you said, future, and you and I are studying it now. Uh, and so uh, I think that was his intent. And I think that kind of solidifies the idea of, of his, and we're going to see it in, in, in verse 3 uh, particularly, but I think that solidifies the idea that, that Nebuchadnezzar understood uh, that he, he was just a blip in the timeline uh, in comparison wow. to God. And, and oh, so yeah. uh, excellent, excellent point. Uh, I just underlined uh, King Nebuchadnezzar and just made the note that this is the most powerful man in the world at the time saying this. Mm -hmm. uh, as far as the Babylonian, he's the ruler of the, the empirical power that is ruling the world. So there was no one higher from an, a uh, human standpoint than Nebuchadnezzar. And he's writing this about God. Um, and then I, I, on top of it, next to the just from a note-taking perspective, uh, I just put from pride to humility. Or you, if you want to keep the alliteration from pride to praise. There you uh, go. Because that's uh, uh, definitely going to uh, a way to sum up this this chapter. Um, I also want to underline that phrase, peace be multiplied to you. Because uh, it seems that he's starting to recognize his place in God's plan. And, that's and right. So, and, I, and I, I'm... I'm, I'm we can't discount, as you mentioned, that he was a ruthless individual. 
but something changed. And I think you have to have to point, in, in my opinion, to Daniel, uh, the type of man Daniel was when he purposed that he wasn't going to eat the food or drink the wine of the king. Uh, and he he proved himself to be prosperous. Uh uh, then you see that he threw, he was able to interpret the dreams uh, that no one else was able to interpret. And then uh, Daniel's kinsmen, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, not being hurt uh, by the decree that was made by him to worship the idol and throwing him into the furnace. Uh, I think it's a great illustration of how our godly influence, living with God, even though it's going at times to make us different, even if time's just going to set us apart from the world uh, and we're going to miss out on some. And when I say miss out, we're not going to be included in some of the things the world does. Uh, the God of the influence that it can have on those around us just by living our lives dedicated to God. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Isn't that what Jesus said that we're to do? We're to let our light shine, uh, be the salt of the earth and the, the light of the world. For what purpose? So that we may glorify our father, which is in heaven. And when you consider the context of chapters one, two, and three already of what you've talked about, you've had, they wouldn't defile themselves with the king's meat. You know, they've had the interpretation of the dream. Then you have uh, chapter three with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Mm -hmm. And now uh, chapter four opens up with Nebuchadnezzar wanting to have this statement of peace be multiplied unto everybody. Mm -hmm. uh, what, what brought that about? Well, it had you, you have to consider the context and mm -hmm. things that have already taken place. Great point. Great point. And something else that uh, about Nebuchadnezzar and, and now this where he's at, I, I thought about Exodus chapter five when Moses went before Pharaoh. Uh, Pharaoh says, who is God that I should obey his voice? And so we've seen world leaders. Uh, throughout the text already and in, in other books who have a completely different attitude about God and perhaps Nebuchadnezzar had before this, but now something has changed. Great point. No, you're absolutely right. And that's a great contrast between Pharaoh and Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, and uh, a very good contrast uh, because uh, you look at the 10 plagues that fell upon Egypt uh, you would think that at some point Pharaoh would figure out with whom he was was dealing and and change. Uh, but even even after the firstborn of everything was uh, was was killed or put to death uh, by the death angel, uh, he still pursued Israel on their way out, told them right. to leave, but then changed his mind and, and pursued them. And so um, again, I'm I'm. I'm very encouraged by this, uh, like, and obviously I hope that that possibly that that possibility of Nebuchadnezzar being in heaven is a reality. Um, mm -hmm. But I think you're starting to see um, the heart uh, of somebody uh, different and in very good contrast between Pharaoh. You have anything else on verse one? Uh, no. Uh, well, I say no, but maybe uh, this idea of peace being multiplied unto you and where peace is is coming from uh, don't necessarily think that nebuchadnezzar is uh, promoting that he's going to now be the 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 bastion for world peace but rather that 
it's something that's has changed is a change that's taken taken place from a higher source so right uh, so no that's great and it, and it is a shift in his when you when you consider the conqueror taking over the free world and then again shifting uh to that talk of peace to the nations uh into the languages and so forth uh excellent point uh verse two it says it has seemed good to me to show the signs and wonders that the most high god has done for me what do you have there well now he's um he's been for a lack of a better way of saying it he's experienced some of these things and now he's wanting to take what he has seen those things that he's assured of now and and carry them forward and present those to uh to to everyone else yeah i've underlined that phrase it seemed good to me and i just put this two two points one uh He's probably saying this because he wants to explain his absence for the past seven years. Mm -hmm. um, and you go to the end of the chapter, uh, some arrogance, and we'll talk about it in just a minute, but in some arrogance on his part, God uh, essentially made him like a, we'll just, you know, like a beast or like a cow. And so he's out in the uh, the pasture grazing uh, for seven years and, and his appearance is unkept and, and, and all that. So, um, which you know, is interesting to think. I, I wonder if he was, it was one of those instances where he was conscious of what was going on, right. but he couldn't change it. Yes. That makes sense. And and I think that was probably it, which is why he's able to kind of take the lesson learned from it. Uh, but I think more importantly, uh, and I, this is the second one I put, he's, seems good to me what seems good to him to explain his absence but number two to testify how the most high humbled and healed him and, mm -hmm. and i think it's a twofold thing because um one he, he got too too prideful and god humbled him uh and then uh at some point god restored him back to his normal self uh which i which he didn't take for granted either and, and so wow. um and so that's what led to this. What you have? What else you have on two? Uh, well, I see this these signs and wonders, and how uh, these signs and wonders are, have brought about uh, this attitude. And of course, the first three verses they're relating to what's said at the re about the rest of the chapter, and how he does have this time uh, that he's in this beast-like state. And God has proven, uh, well, God has proven himself to Nebuchadnezzar, at least through these signs and wonders. And I also kind of thought about uh, God who at sundry time and divers manner spake in time past, uh, as the book of Hebrews points out. I also think about how um, Jesus commissioned the apostles. We see it in Mark 16. Uh, verses 17 through 20 to take uh, signs, uh, miracles, wonders, and use those for the purpose of proclaiming God's word to the to the world, confirming the, the preaching of, of God's word uh, through those miracles. Uh, you follow the the book of Acts, and and that's what you you see time and time again. You have uh, miracles, and you have uh, people uh, receiving 
uh, miraculous abilities through laying on the hands of the apostles, Acts 8. And so it's through these signs and wonders that God has, um, he's proclaimed himself, if you will. Uh, and with that, we're able to to go forward and, and show others and tell others the, the word of God to teach mm-hmm. them. Oh, that's a great point. And, and you're right. It's it's interesting. You know, God's operated uh, I mean, in, in different fashions between the Old law, Old Testament and New Testament. But the reality is, is, is there's almost, there's still the same, uh, those who were endorsed by God, those whose message was endorsed by God, uh, there, uh, he endorsed it through the signs and the miracles and, and wonders, uh, of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, we looked at Joseph, uh, in a past episode and Joseph, uh, proves the providential hand of God. So apart from that, God's still working. You and I, uh, today, the, the miracles and the signs were used to, like I said, confirm the message because it's understandable that uh, for, in the first century, the church growing as it would, that men would use uh, the way they do today, uh, would use religion to bring about selfish uh, ambitions and motives. And wow. so to distinctify between the ones who were uh, legitimately speaking on behalf of God, because either they were an apostle or had an apostle lay their hands on them and gave them the gift uh, to do so, uh, to distinctify between those who were genuine versus those who were imposters, you would perform a miracle and uh, and solidify the message. If someone was speaking falsely, they wouldn't be able to to do the miracle. And First uh, uh, Thessalonians five twenty one: prove all things, hold fast, uh, which is good, and that's it. Uh, you know, someone says a message, prove it with a miracle. That's what I'm going to listen to. This guy can't, I'm going to toss it out. You and I today have, uh, the Bible in the full revelation and therefore miracles have ceased, uh, because they're no longer necessary. Uh, the Bible is its own best witness. Uh, and you look at, at all the evidence that goes into the fact that 40 men over thousands of years, right in unison with one another, uh, with no contradiction. Uh, even though there are those who claim there's contradiction, uh, working with the high school class here, uh, where I'm at and we're talking, we made the point that if you have one reasonable, uh, explanation, then you no longer have a contradiction, whether you accept it or not. Uh, if I can reasonably explain the difference between two passages, then the contradiction no longer cease. It's the infallible word of God has proven itself over and over. It's existed for almost 2,000 years. It's the most highly criticized book that's ever existed, yet it still continues uh, to have an impact on humanity the way it has and grow the way it has. And and when you do plant it into a righteous heart uh, or or fertile soil, uh, Matthew chapter 13, then you're going to see it. And so uh, excellent point uh, from that standpoint. And and, um, I also circled this. And I just put, uh, Nebuchadnezzar had to learn by experience rather than intellect. Mm. Uh, and, and I made this point and, and I, I referenced back up to, uh, verses 17 and 18 of chapter three, where, uh, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego essentially say that if God chooses to deliver us, uh, he can, uh, he may not, but if he does, uh, choose to do so, then he's more than capable of doing it. But whether he he delivers us or not, the praise 
and worship worthy of only him, we're not going to give to an idol. Uh, and so you have that statement. And then Nebuchadnezzar looks down into the furnace, a furnace that was so hot that those who threw them into it uh, perished. Uh, and then looks in and sees them unharmed, unscathed by the fire. Says there's a fourth one like a son of the gods uh, walking around. Uh, and I believe that's, uh, he sees a fourth individual in there. I believe this is the pre-incarnate Christ. I think this is the case of theophany. Um, and then you go down uh, to verse 29, and he says, Therefore I make a decree, any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against God, the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb, and their house is laid in ruin, for there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way. And so from an intellectual standpoint, he knows the capability and the power of God. Mm -hmm. Yet you go to the end of chapter four, starting in verse uh, around verse 28. Uh and he says, is it not, is not this great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power, a royal residence, and for the glory of my majesty? And, and while he didn't explicitly curse God by taking credit for everything that God has given him for himself, he did exactly what he said would happen in verse 29 from that standpoint. Anyone who speaks against God, well, I mean, that's essentially what he did, and God punished him for it. God made him... He humbled him in that sense. And so uh, a lesson from an application standpoint, uh, the lesson is, is ours from the standpoint of we can either learn by intelligence, in other words, reading God's word and taking the truth and applying it to our lives, or we can even learn from the standpoint of watching. In this case, he watched those who benefited from being faithful to God, but we can also look at the lives of those who are not faithful to God and how it doesn't benefit them. Or we can learn by experience. We can enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season and then reap the consequences thereof. And like Nebuchadnezzar, he knew God. He, he knew before uh, God struck him uh, for seven years to act like a wild beast. He knew the power of God already. And, wow. and unfortunately, he didn't take that knowledge and act upon it. And I think that's a great lesson for us. What else do you have? Well, I, I can't help but to think about Brother B.J. Clark when you start saying all that and how many times would he run back to Psalm 1 and, uh, you know, talk about the blessed man, be like the tree mm -hmm. planted by the waters. Um, Nebuchadnezzar, he, like you said, he's he's learning things, not maybe so much from an intellectual standpoint as he's had uh, access to the word of God. We don't know if he did or didn't, but... And he has, however, had these proofs put before him. Mm -hmm. This is what happens when people are, are faithful and stay faithful. And we've had examples uh, of people that are, are faithful. And, and we have those men that we look up to now and uh, maybe men that we talk about. But we also have those recorded in Scripture that were faithful regardless of all cost. And I think about Hebrews 11, probably one of the best uh, examples that we could go to, but how many times throughout scripture does God's word tell us, regardless of everything, just, just be faithful. Uh, there's so many people that are wanting to, uh, find prosperity, find this, find that because of, uh, as a byproduct of being faithful. 
you know, God has never promised the Christian that if we are faithful and that if we continue to proclaim his word, then we're going to have everything granted to us like God's a genie in a bottle. Mm-hmm. What God has told us is if we're faithful, then when this life is over, we'll be able to be blessed. Uh, does that mean that sometimes we may find ourselves in the fiery furnace? Does that mean that sometimes we may find ourselves in the midst of Babylonian captivity? Yeah, it it does. Sometimes that those things might happen, but we still have a responsibility to be faithful and to be the influence and to try our dead level best to glorify God in all that we do. Hmm. And great, great point. And and I'm I'm glad you brought up that idea of of find ourselves in the furnace. Uh, how many people didn't believe that that idol was worth anything? In and there, there you had remnants of of uh, Judah in Babylon at that time. Uh, yet Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood out in the sense that they weren't bowing down to it. I mean, wow. there were probably people who bowed down to the idol, not because they thought the idol was worth anything uh, from a worship standpoint, but from a comfort standpoint. They didn't want to deal with the inconvenience. Yeah. Uh, and and throwing it, being thrown into a fiery furnace is, is obviously a lot greater than any inconvenience. But that's how it is today. We we don't want our kids to be left out. Uh, we don't want to be left out of certain things. And so uh, we we try to walk as close to that worldly line as possible without crossing over. But the whole premise of Israel and Judah in the Old Testament, uh, Leviticus chapter 20 and verse 26, I have set you aside for my purpose, my pleasure, you are my treasure, and and God has always called his people to be distinct. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think for as a father raising children, the only way your child, and, and I don't want to say only way, but the best way for your child to be comfortable with being different from the world is for them to be different from the world as you raise them. Right. I'm not saying it's impossible that when they get out into the world, but if we teach our children that, uh, and I'm not saying that we, we have to seclude ourselves from everything, but there are going to be times in, in our lives and our children's lives where we're going to have to take a stand and be different. And they're going to have to get comfortable in doing so. Right. And possibly being talked about, possibly being ridiculed, possibly being made fun of uh, in doing so. But we have to teach them to stand confident in that even though it's not the most popular choice, it's the right choice. And you can have confidence in that. And, and, uh, and I know this isn't about Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, but I do think that they're they're willing to do so has influenced Nebuchadnezzar in this way. That's right, uh, and, and and Daniel's influence uh, as well. I mean, they he, uh, he you know you, you fast forward uh, to the Persian rule, and and they threw him into a fire into a, a lion's pit uh, because he was unwilling to change what he did, and so. Uh, example, example throughout Daniel of of the one who was unwilling to go with the majority 
And I think this is a positive influence in the sense that we're seeing that it, it changed the mind of a king, the most powerful man in the world at the time, their willingness to be different changed uh, the mind of Nebuchadnezzar. What else you have? Well, you know, if I can build on, on that thought, uh, a lot of times in the church, we think, what can we do? Uh, we're, you know, look, look at the world we're living in right now. Look at how crazy everything is. People don't know if they're male or female. They don't know what bathrooms to go to. They don't care about this. They don't care about. And we start to get this idea. Oh, we're just, you know, we're just going along until the Lord calls us home and we can finally be rid of all of this trouble. No, we can do something about it right now. We can continue to be people of integrity. And I think that's a word that's been lost and we need to try to uh, bring that back. Uh, but we can we can do what's right. We can always be faithful. We can always strive to to keep God's word. And at the at the same time, we can have a positive influence on the people that are around us. Uh, you brought up just a minute ago uh, raising children in, in this kind of world, and we we have kids. I've got an eight year old and a five year old, and uh, it's 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 a struggle to try to keep the world out of them. But, you know, we mm -hmm. still uh, teaching opportunities where we have to show them this is what God expects from us. This is how we are to behave. And let if the world, I, I say this sometimes in preaching, if the world wants to go crazy, let the world go crazy. But we're going to keep being Christians. We're mm -hmm. going to keep serving God and keep his word and keep doing what he wants us to do. And because that's, that's what he's instructed for us. So, mm -hmm. now we can continue to keep our integrity and, and whatever. I mean, would we have 30 years ago, would we have ever thought that society would be where we're at right now? Probably not. And so what what's going to happen in the next 30 years? We don't know if the Lord allows it to stay, uh, the, the earth to stand that long. But we do know that we can continue to keep his word. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a great point. And, and along that, the world's always changing. And mm -hmm. you can see that now. You look at those, you know, I mean, and, and I think it's been brought up on here before, but you look at those who have tried to cater to the, I'll just call it lunacy of the world, uh, <laughs> the constant changing. And eventually they try to cater to them. They try to, to move with them. But eventually they get to a point where they're like, this is a little ridiculous Mm -hmm. And when they step out, you know, and say, I'm, I'm not willing to go that far. What happens? The world turns on. Them. Right. Um, and, and it's always going to be like that. And, and the one thing for, and then one reason we want our, our, ourselves and our children to anchor themselves, uh, and those around us to anchor themselves in the Bible is it's the, it's been constant for 2000 years. The truths have never changed. The, the benefits have never changed. Uh, the spiritual blessings, like you mentioned, we're not going to receive all the physical blessings that we would want. And then as some will try and uh, falsely claim that if you do this, then you're going to receive this type of prosperity. But one thing that's never inhibited by God, you know, he'll say no to the, the physical uh, blessings that maybe we request at times. But one thing that's never inhibited uh, or withheld are spiritual blessings. And wow. um, and and the older I get, and, and again, it just comes with age and experience, but the older I get, 
the more I start to realize the the value in those over the things that I used to hold value in. And so, excellent point. Uh, Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust will not corrupt. 100%. So these these things of the the earth, they're going to dissolve, but our spiritual blessings will always be there. That's a great point. Verse 3, and this is the reason I I chose this verse, uh, one of my favorites. How great are his signs, how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion endures from generation to generation. What do you have there? I just, the, uh, I like the way that it's being described how great, how mighty, uh, mm-hmm. and his dominion, his, uh, his kingdom, how it's being described as, as this majestic, this wonderful thing. And it truly is. That's that's excellent. Um, I put Psalm 145 and verse 13 next to that. That's uh, just a good cross-reference to have. Um, I also put just a note next to his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And I contrasted that with uh, chapter 4 and verse 30. Is not this great Babylon, which I have built a mighty power as royal residence for the glory of my majesty. Uh, the complete opposite. Now his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom right. uh, rather than, than uh, the kingdom of Babylon. <clears throat> I think he's uh, again, goes back to the idea that, that Nebuchadnezzar has, has figured out his place uh, in the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I underline his kingdom, uh, and, and you know, the, to answer the question, well, what's, what's God's kingdom? And I put Matthew 16, 16 through 19, uh, upon this rock, I'll build my church. Then he says, I'll give unto thee the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Uh, and I just simply put the, the, the one over which his son reigns. That's the kingdom that Nebuchadnezzar is speaking of here. Uh, and that's, and, and we're obviously talking about the church, Daniel two forty four. Uh, mm-hmm. Daniel seven thirteen and fourteen. Um, God's kingdom is not is is not Judah in the sense that Nebuchadnezzar is speaking here. Now it was in order to bring the Messiah into the world uh, to keep the the seed promised to Abraham and and so forth. But uh, from this standpoint, we're not talking about Judah or Israel. We're not talking about uh, Babylon. Uh, we're not talking about uh, the United States of America. Right. Um, we're talking about the church and, and if the Lord allows this, uh, world to continue on, uh, uh, much longer. And when I say much longer, just you know, say it goes another 2000 years, just based on the trend of kingdoms throughout history, the United States ain't going to be here, uh, 2000 years from now. Right. Uh, just like you look, go back to the first century, the Roman empire, they thought that empire was the greatest and there was nothing that could ever bring it down. Same thing with the Babylonian empire, same thing with the Persian empire. And even the same thing when Alexander the great was conquering, uh, for the nation of Greece, everyone thought these great empires, there's no way they could fall, but they're all just, uh, in the annals of history. And that's Mm -hmm. that's the only place they exist now. Uh, and, and our country is no different. Um, I put over in my Bible in Leviticus chapter 20, a quote by Thomas Jefferson. And it said, indeed, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just. 
Uh, and, and I think he, he had it right. Uh, this country, uh, if it keeps going the direction it's going to go, then at some point God is going to, uh, and is going to do what he's done to every country before. Uh, we can expect that to remain consistent, but regardless of what happens to this country or any other country throughout the history, the church will still continue to exist. And, and if I put my citizenship in that kingdom and that, that citizenship of that kingdom takes top priority, then I have nothing to concern myself with. Uh, will I have to live differently if, if something happens here and, and maybe uh, it's against the law to do? Yes. But if I continue to maintain that citizenship, then uh, all will, will work out in the end. Uh, what else do you have? Well, that's that's a great point that you make. You know, um, we're getting close to election year, and I, I, I don't really like politics. I'll be the first one to admit that. I think that it's a necessary evil that some think that we have to have. But even in the church, you see politics, and people are, you know, they'll bash the Republicans or the Democrats, the right or the left, and uh, they think that America is... It, it, that America is it, but uh, that it, it's not. Uh, go back to Daniel chapter two and look at the uh, kingdom that was being spoken of there. And there's an everlasting kingdom that's going to to, to last forever. And, and I hate to tell everybody that you know we love to to wave our flags and all that, but it's not America. America is not. We're not God's chosen people. Mm -hmm. It is the church. It is uh, being a citizen uh, of the kingdom. And our importance, mo most importantly, uh, above everything else, should be uh, what we do in that kingdom. Uh, 100%. Now, do we, do we want America to continue on? Absolutely. Yeah, we do. We, we'd love to see America to continue to strive. But uh, even, if, even if we were to, to fall and... There's been greater kingdoms than America that have fallen in the past. And so we can't fool ourselves in thinking that we're immune to, to such. But even if it were to happen, uh, though he slay me, <laughs> as Job says, uh, we'll, we'll just continue to, to serve in the kingdom of Christ. Right. And that's a great point. And uh, I'm glad you clarified that because there's nothing wrong with patriotism to the country and all that. And then having... Right. An American pride, and and um, and, and I'm I'm just as patriotic as the next guy, but mm -hmm. uh, it does have to be put in perspective. My patriotism to the church and to that kingdom, uh, if I if ever I find this country and that kingdom at odds, then I got to choose uh, the one that's going to last forever. That's right. Uh, and those aren't my words; though these are the words of Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, essentially they're the words of the Holy spirit. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and so, um, you know, one is, is, is wise to follow after, uh, and to pursue that kingdom, uh, over everything else. I also put underlined dominion at the end, put Psalm 22 and verse 28 kingship belongs to the Lord. Uh, and that's, um, from generation to generation. Uh, that's that's Nebuchadnezzar talking about it. And it seems like he realizes I'm not going to be here forever. Yeah. Uh, and and what happens 
to this kingdom after I'm gone. And we know the history based on Daniel that eventually uh, the Persian Empire comes in and and conquers the Babylon Empire. They are no longer um, uh, a world power uh, after that. Um, but God still continues to reign. And, and uh, you look throughout history and especially with. Uh, the prophecy in Daniel, like you mentioned, chapter 2, when the kingdom that Christ spoke of and that Nebuchadnezzar speaking of here comes about in the Roman Empire and you just in the fourth world rule from that point uh, and everything that takes place uh, between uh, Daniel and uh, Jesus coming to this earth and establishing his church and how battles here and there or decisions here and there could have changed the course of history yet it all happened exactly the way god uh prophesied that it would through daniel uh and to me that's that's just a proof that uh if he if he promises that nothing will ever happen to the church then then that just to me that's that's where i have to stay if i have to leave this country in order to faithfully serve, then, then that's what I need to do. And, and so um, what else do you have? Well, you know, God is not looking at these things from, from our standpoint. Uh, he's looking at it from his viewpoint. Sorry, my phone is ringing over no, there. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but uh, he's looking at things from his viewpoint and he understands, he knows what's going to happen. We, mm-hmm. we're looking at it from our viewpoint. And uh, if God continues to excuse me uh, that's happened to me before i'm so sorry about that no worries no worries at all uh but anyway god is looking at things from his standpoint and he is able to say uh instruct us you keep my word now we can look at it and say you know well uh we're, we've been blessed to be able to be here for however many years we've been a country and we're going to keep on and keep on. We don't know what's, what's ahead. God Mm -hmm. does. And so we should just trust his word and, and do as he has, has instructed. So that's a great point. Excellent point. Cause like Nebuchadnezzar, you and I are just looking at a, a reality of the timeline as we see it from our very limited view as he sits omnisciently uh outside of of time and outside of all this uh with a an understanding of the full picture that we don't have so uh it's so very important for us to to put our trust in him uh and That's right. uh excellent excellent point that is a great way to close it jeremy thank you for coming on well, thank uh, you for having me great I really discussion um to those who are watching uh thank you uh for joining us today like share subscribe uh share this with your friends help the channel grow uh with that we are out